Glory. Well, we're entering into a, a new teaching series. And uh, um, let me fix this right quick. The title of this teaching series is called uh, Heart Transplant. Heart Transplant. Heart Transplant. Hallelujah. All right. The title of this series, we'll be working with this for the next month, is Heart Transplant. Now, the purpose for the heart transplant is to give us a new heart. All right, you only need a heart transplant when the old one is no good, when it's defected, when it's not functioning the way that it used to, that it's supposed to. So the father wants to give us a heart transplant. Now, let me clear the frequency of the atmospheres because uh, I don't believe in condemnation. All right, anything, anytime the father has a message like this is to get you something. Amen. Okay, the heart transplant is is because he want he has something he wants to get you. And he can't get you that thing until your heart changes. He can't get you that thing until your heart is in the right position to receive it. Like Kirby was saying, uh, like Pastor Kirby was saying, he the Holy Spirit drove Jesus in the wilderness. He put Jesus in a situation to be tested. That word tested means he wanted to ascertain the quality of his soul. He wanted to see, before I put this ministry, this money, this land, this property, this career, this business, before I put it in your hands, I need to check your heart. Because the moment the Father releases your destiny, whether it's finances, the only thing it's going to do is magnify the position of your heart. So if you're full of hatred and he drops a million dollars on you, oh, God, you're going to be Hitler. Amen? If he gives you notoriety and fame and your heart ain't right, you're going to shun everybody. You're going to talk about everybody. You're going to see yourself as big and you're going to make everybody else small. So before he gives you the notoriety, before he gives you the fame, he makes sure that your heart is in the right position so that the fame, the notoriety, the money don't kill you. <laughs> so that you won't fall. Amen? He loves us. Say he loves me. He loves me unconditionally. He's not looking at your sin. He's looking at your spiritual development. Because when he called you into the family, you were broken, you were lying, you were, come on now, stop playing. You know, you, you know your position when he called you into the family? You know your before Christ, your BC? <laughs> you know your before Christ? Hallelujah. Now, like I said, the purpose of this message is, or this series is, to receive a heart that can absorb all that the Father has for us, all right? Um, he's trying to reconcile us, all right? In his reconciliation, he's trying to reconcile us and give us a heart that can absorb the relationship, all right? In our predestined purpose, he's trying to give us a heart that can absorb our destiny. When it comes to provision, he's trying to give us a heart that can trust, wait, and see, that can be still. Because he gives you a vision because he has provision for that vision. But he needs you to trust him in that vision in order to receive the provision. That's why the Bible says where there is no vision, the people, they perish. Because when you don't have a vision, you don't have an appetite for provision. You have no expectation of him to move on your behalf. So he gives you a vision. He shows you the next chapter or chapters to come because he's setting your appetite for you to seek his face. He's setting your appetite so you can change to get what he has for you. He dangles the carrot and say, okay, this is how you go after it. This is how you acquire that. Like I, I've been telling you guys on a prayer call, your destiny your, is predestined. It's a promise. It's going to happen. The question is, will you be ready? Will you be ready? 
That's the only question. Will you be ready? And so he wants to do a heart transplant. So today, the title of today's teaching is the transplant. All right. I'm going to explain to you the transplant. I'm going to explain to you how it looks for him to remove one heart and put in another and why it's necessary. Y'all ready for this? Who's ready to train? Who's ready to change? Okay, who's ready to grow? Who's ready to get their destiny? Who's ready to walk in their purpose? Who's ready to be light? Who's ready to be salt? Come on, you got to have a desire. You got to have an appetite for this thing. You got to have an appetite for it. Let me tell you something. The Father does not look at your circumstance, whether it be financial or illness or sickness, and say, I need to give you more money. No. The only way you can get it is an appetite. Faith. He don't look at your situation and say, I'm going to bless you with a million dollars no matter what you know. Everything that you get in this lifestyle is by faith. If you don't have the faith for it, then you can't get it. Faith is the currency in the kingdom of God. How do you prove your faith? By seeking him diligently. How do you prove your faith? By in the middle, in the midst of situations and circumstances, going through a test and applying that word. Oh, he going to put us, oh, you're going to go through so many tests and trials. Oh, because he, he wants to see if it's there. He wants to see if you want to abide by his word. Y'all getting sad on me already? It's a good, this is a good occasion because anytime, look, I was uh, listening to a podcast and this is what we have to, who wants to grow? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Touch the ceiling. Come on now. You don't want to grow, little girl? Okay. Raise your hand, little girl. Okay. If you <laughs> raise your hand, especially in my house. <laughs> All right. If you want to grow, you have to understand that the Father is, you have to be ready for the challenge. You have to be up for it. Let's dive into this. Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 9. Let's stay on the frequency of the Father. No, no mind wondering. Hallelujah. Verse 9, and it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Verse 10 says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. I'm going to start over verse 9, okay? He said, the human heart. Now, he's not talking about your physical. He's talking about the, 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 human, the, the human spirit. All right, he's talking about the, the, um, the quality of your soul. That is what your heart is. He's not talking about your physical heart. All right, he's talking about the quality of your soul. He says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things, and it is desperately wicked. So when we say, oh, he know my heart. <laughs> when we say, oh, he know, yeah, he do know your heart. It's is most deceitful of all things, which means it deceives you and it deceives others. Your heart will make you think you're somewhere that you're not. It will make you think that you can do something that you can't. It will make you think that you're owed something that you're not. It's most deceitful. He didn't just say deceitful, Q. He said most deceitful of all things. So it's a lot of issues in our heart. It's a lot of issues in our soul, in our mind. He says, and it's desperately wicked. It ain't just wicked. <laughs> it's desperately wicked, meaning it fiends to do the wrong thing, to get its way. It loves to have its way. Y'all know it, come on now. When it can't get its way, it pouts, it screams, it hollers, it kicks, it wants to fight, it gets dysfunctional, why? Because is desperately wicked. 
But then he poses the question. He said, who really knows how bad it is? Then he gives us the answer, the Lord. <laughs> the Lord. He posed the question, who really knows? Abba knows. Now, some things that we can, you know, we can see by spirit. We can see as we mature. We can see an immature heart. Okay, but all in all, only the fathers know. Paul said it like this. Paul said, I don't trust my own judgment. He said, I don't trust myself. That's how you have to handle your heart. I don't trust it. <laughs> Father, you take it. I don't trust my heart. <laughs> the only way that you know your heart is aligned with him is that your mind is aligned with him. That's the only way you know. If you won't do it his way, then that means you don't have a heart for his, way, for his kingdom. That's why he said when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. We're going to make your name holy, not ours. We want your kingdom to come. Come on. Not ours. We want your will to done. We don't want our will. <laughs> we don't want it. Trust me. You know why you don't want your will? Because there's no predestined promise behind it. You can have your way, but his blessings won't be there. His provision won't be there. It won't be there. So the scripture says in 10, it says, but I, the Lord, search all hearts. Now, there's a need to understand the heart, right? Being that it is desperately wicked and most deceitful. The father is the only one that can see the inner workings of man. He can reveal it. We can see it by the gifts. Jesus told Peter, Peter said, I'll die with you. I'll go to jail with you. He said, no, you won't. You're going to deny me three times. <laughs> he knew his heart. But if you ask Peter, I'm going to go all the way with you. All it took was somebody to see him and say, all it took was somebody to, for him to go through that crucifixion, somebody to see him and say, ain't you with him? Which means we're going to do the same thing to you. That's all it took for him to deny him. When it came time to anoint David, they brought his seven brothers out there. Nope, they ain't none of them. They were handsome. They were stout. Shoulders were broad. <laughs> they, looked, they looked like kings. They looked like someone who should hold the position. And Solomon said, the Lord don't look at what y'all look at. He looks at the heart. And then he calls this little boy David. <laughs> Why did he call him? Because his heart. While they were front and center to be kings, where was he at? On the backside of the desert, tending to the sheep. That's where his heart was. His heart was tending to the sheep, so he didn't have no problem giving them people. He didn't have a problem giving them the kingdom because when the sheep, when it was time to protect the sheep, Chris, he killed the lion. He killed the bear. So he knew if he put the kingdom in his hand, that if anybody, <laughs> that's why when, when David just, look, David, heart, David was just out there to deliver a lunch when he ran into Goliath. He was Ubering. He was Uber Eats. <laughs> he was coming to drop off a lunch, and they cowering. Philistine is calling them out. All type of names, and, 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 and David jumps up. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? The army looking at him like, boy, you're not ready for that. Yes, I am, because why? My heart. Who is you to test the Lord? Who is you to try my king? He didn't have a throne yet. He wasn't a king yet, but he was anointed, meaning he could destroy something. <laughs> Anointing is to destroy yokes. Goliath was a yoke. Standing in the way of the armies of Israel. And David's heart made him go five, five stones, pick up them stones, and take down a monster that the whole army. Why? Because it's hard. Because it's hard. Now, it didn't happen with Bathsheba. <laughs> so what that lets you know, your heart goes in and out, up and down. You can have a heart for the Father one day, and the next day you got a heart for your desires. That's why the scripture said that your fruit may remain. 
that it may remain 24-7, 365, even on leap year, that it may remain, not in and out, not up and down, that it may remain. That's why he told Peter, he said, when you convert it, <laughs> when you are converted, he said, you're going to strengthen the brothers. You're going to strengthen the brothers when you get converted. But until now, until then, you're going to deny me. You're going to allow Satan to use you. He didn't even want to see him go to the cross, and the cross is what was going to help him. Jesus had to tell him, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the will of God in mind. Now, it was innocent. He didn't want to see his boy die. He didn't want to see his mentor get killed and crucified. But his heart at that particular time was not in the will of the fathers. So Jesus had to do what? Rebuke him. How are you going to rebuke somebody for cutting somebody's ear off for messing with you? <laughs> so the scripture says that he searches all the hearts and that he examines, what does he examine? He examines the secret motives. Now, he didn't just say motives, secret motives, the motives that are hidden from people, but not only that, the motives that are hidden from you. Then he says, he says, he gives due reward, come on, according to what their actions deserve. So he looks at your heart, he examines your heart and say, this is what I can give you. This is all I can give you right now. This is all I can put up under your rule, under your reign, under your authority. I'm looking at your heart. I can't give you a church yet. <laughs> I can't give you a ministry. I can't take you where I want to take you until I examine your heart first. That's why you should never blame anybody for doors that are not opening for you. Because the moment your heart is right, nobody can close it. Nobody can close a door as long as your heart is right. Nobody can stop your destiny. Only you can stop your destiny based on your heart. That's why I told y'all last week. I said, look, if you don't want to be on the if you can't be on the prayer call, you can't be at church, that's fine. This kingdom business, amen? This kingdom business. If you can't, it, that's fine. But if you don't want to, that's a heart issue. You don't want to pray with these people? <laughs> you don't want to fast with these people? You don't want to serve with these people? That's a heart issue. Amen? It's a heart issue. And if it's not corrected, you'll go on blaming everybody for what you're not getting, for what's not happening to you. And I promise you, your predestined purpose, nobody can touch it but the Father. He'll move everybody out the way to get you what belongs to you. Ask Joseph. Sold into slavery, a prisoner of a, 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 a Potiphar, wife lied on him, said she raped him. Went to prison for that and ended up still second in command over a whole nation. You can't stop the progress when the heart is right. You can't stop it. The only thing that can stop your progress is your heart. Say, my heart. Uh, whatever. Say, my heart. That's the only thing that can stop your progress is your heart. That's why the Bible says, if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. I'm looking at your heart. Before I exalt you, I want to know if you're humble. He said, if you humble yourself, I'll give you a greater grace. He said, if you humble yourself, I'll make you great in my kingdom. If you humble yourself. But then, pride, with pride comes destruction. With pride comes disgrace. With pride comes a fall. With pride comes dishonor. With pride comes foolishness. With pride, you lessen your value. Yeah, you're called to do that thing. You're even chosen to do that thing. But it's the pride that won't open the door. Meaning you have not emptied yourself out and allowed the Father to use you in any way that he wants to. You still got ways he can't use you. Use me on the mic. Just don't use my patience. Use my talent, but just don't use my money.
Bless me with money, but don't, don't use my time. I want my time. Let everybody praise me. Nobody defend me. Let everybody tell me how good I am. Nobody tell me how bad. And he said, until you can accept Rome, I can't put you in a position. Until you can take criticism, I can't. <laughs> this is why. Because let's say at the height of your height, of the pinnacle of your career, somebody come and offend you. You throw your whole career away because of an offense. He's looking out for you. And now everybody who you climbed that ladder and seen you, they saw your fall. And so while you're trying to climb back up, there's shame. So he said, I'm going to wait until you're ready. You're not going to microwave this. <laughs> you're not going to microwave it. So now y'all see why there's a reason to, uh, to understand the heart. Because my whole life is predicated on it. Proverbs 4 and 23. It says, above all else, do what? Guard your heart for everything you do. <laughs> everything, not some things, everything you do flows from it. So he said, guard it. Now, when he tell you to guard your heart, how many of y'all remember soul algorithm? Okay. The soul algorithm is whatever you put in your mouth, it goes to your stomach and it comes out as waste. The same thing with your soul. Whatever you put in your mind, it goes through your soul and it comes out your heart. So when he's telling you to guard your heart, the first thing he's telling you to do is what? Guard your mind. Why? Because your mind is the interest into your soul. Guard your mind, which means you have to guard your eyes, you have to guard your ears, you have to guard your mouth, you have to guard your presence. You have to guard your atmosphere. Guard your eyes, what you allow yourself to see. You can't be holy watching porn. I'm just telling you. Only thing porn gonna get is turn you to a porn star. I'm just telling you, if you want to be a porn star, that's the only reason to watch it. Because <laughs> whatever you put in your mind develops it. Whatever you put in your mind, whatever you put in your ears, what you allow to be played in your soul. I'm, I'm, look, I love, I love hip hop. I love rap. I came from that culture. But you better know the artists. You gotta watch what you gotta watch who talk to you. You gotta watch who you allow to minister to you. You gotta guard your ears. Because you did you know music is the only thing that goes into your mind and changes you without your permission. It is the only thing, music is the only thing that goes into your mind and changes you without your permission. The best part of waking up. You know that. that you ain't never seen on the top ten. <laughs> you ain't never even sung the song. But you know it instinctually because A, B, C, D. That's why they make a song. Because that's how you're taught. And that's the agenda of Satan. He give us music and all they talk about call our women hoes talk about being pimps, and then you listen to the music, and then the moment you meet a woman, and she, and, and she offends you, you go in pimp mode. Now, who you think you talking to? <laughs> Why? It's what you've been listening to. It's what you've been playing in your ears. If you ask me, I might cut this, I might not. I think Tasha Cobb should have Beyonce thrown. 
Who cares who like it? Don't put that on there. Okay. <laughs> I know they grabbed that clip right there. But you ask me, Tasha, because her music is one song is killing Beyonce whole catalog. One song. Why? Because it's interjecting the Father's will into your heart. And her music is tearing, pulling it away. And so, as an as, as elder statement, what happens is you tell people, you tell the youth, don't do that. And what they think, y'all, y'all, oh, no, we know what it does. It develops your mind. I grew up on Tupac. I grew up on Big. I grew up on Jay-Z. I grew up on Nas. You know when I changed? When I stopped listening to him. 2003 to 2010, I didn't put no secular music in my ear. Why? Because whatever you put in your soul has, whatever you put in your ear has permission to cultivate your soul. Guard your mouth, what you eat and what you say. Guard your environment from corruption and, and defilement. If you playing basketball, you need to be hanging out with the basketball players. <laughs> Amen? If you're trying to be a businessman, you don't need to be hanging out with people who don't want a business. Like they say, if you show me the group of people you hang with, I'll show you your future. You show me your crew, I'll show you this is your future. The mind, the mind is your thoughts, it's your imagination, it's your ideas. Can I get that clip, the mind? The mind is your thoughts, it's your imagination, it's your ideas, it's your mindset. As in what your, uh, 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 what your mind is directed towards, what your mind is thinking, what your mind is judging. Your mind is, is your perception. It's your feelings according to your understanding. Your, your, your mind is where you are considered wise. It's your attitude. It's the power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. It is all levels of your consciousness. You have a, a, a mind, you have a soul, and you have a heart. And that's where they get your conscious mind your, your subconscious and your unconscious. Your conscious mind is your mind. It's what you're, what you're dealing with right now. Right now, you're conscious. You hear me talking. Your subconscious is after I'm done talking or after you're done receiving the information, what you, what you store in your soul. And then your unconscious mind is what you do by default without even thinking. Because of what you've been putting in your mind and what, what you've been developing your soul with. That's why Paul said, he said, when I was a child, I thought, I spoke, I reasoned. He said, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. What does that mean? My thoughts changed. I thought about this thing this way, and as I grew, I found out that thought process was wrong. That's why if any of y'all know me, if you come talking to me about anything, what I'm going to do? Put you right back on scripture. Everybody, y'all, if y'all know me, <laughs> and you had any conversations with me, if you come to me talking, I'm going to realign you with the scriptures. I don't care how you think. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you want. You need to align yourself with what the scriptures say. Amen? That's how you know your growth. That when you think, you can see it in scripture. When you speak, you can see it in scripture. When you reason, you can see it in scripture. Your soul, your sub, the subconscious you, it is the headquarters of your life, the central station of the inner man. It is the mind, the will, the understanding, the knowledge, the reflection, the memory, the inclinations, the resolution, the determination. It is your will. 
Chris, grab me a chair. Give me a chair. Yeah. I want y'all to see something right quick. I'm taking my time. I ain't rush. I ain't in no rush. And y'all start fill up all the seats. Y'all be just one. Everybody come in and just. Now. Uh, mm, no. Now, your soul is the, give me the soul. Now, the soul is the seat of your feelings. It is the seat of your desires, of your affections, of your aversions, your appetite, your emotions, your passions, your courage. It is the seat of sensibilities, your affections, your desires. Okay? So whatever you put into your mind, it goes through your mind and it goes into your soul. But your soul has a seat. It has a position. It has a loca location. It has a starting point. And on that seat in your mind, in a central location, the headquarters of your soul is your feelings, is your desires, is your affections, your aversions, your appetite, your emotions, your passions, your courage, your sensibilities, your affections, and your desires. Now, you got one or two choices. When McKinley is sitting in this seat, it represents the life in Adam. Okay? When McKinley wants his way, and things have to be done the way McKinley said, these are McKinley's feelings. It's not like the word, what the word wants. It's McKinley's desires. It's McKinley's affections when, I, when I'm sitting in the seat. Now, the object of this whole walk in Christ is to remove me and put Christ. Which means I got to remove myself which means I'm removing flesh. And the removal of me from this seat, my feelings, to take on what? His mind. When Christ sits in this seat, because he's a king, this seat becomes a throne. You can't dominate with you sitting there. Let this mind that was also in Christ Jesus be in me. Until I make a decision to put Christ on, and this in any given area, this is how you become full of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has your feelings, when it has your desires, your affections, your aversion, your appetite, your emotions, your passions, your courage, your sensibilities, and your desires, then and only then you are full of the Holy Spirit. Until then you are filled, which means you have a certain passion that's going on inside of your soul and the Holy Spirit is trying to minister to you, but you're rejecting it. You have a certain thought process. The Holy Spirit is trying to minister to you. You come to church and the preacher is trying to preach to you under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And trying to change that, but you refuse to. Now, the whole goal of you showing up here, what's the reason why we come to church? First reason why we come to church. Yell it. Yell it. Church 101. Why do we come to church? The first, the three reasons why we come to church. That's one. That ain't the first one, though. That's it right there. The first, number one reason why you get out of bed on Sunday and Wednesday is because you want to conform to the image of Christ. That's your desire. That have nothing to do with me. I'm here to assist you. Paul said, I labor with you until Christ is formed. It's the five-fold ministry job to labor with you until he is formed. It's your job to have a desire to want to be conformed. The Bible said he predestined you to conform to the image of his son. So if the father predestined you to conform, then that has to be your desires. If it's not your desires, watch this, you disqualify yourself from your destiny. Because the only way you can get your destiny is if Christ is on this seat. 
No Christ, no destiny. He predestined you to conform to the image of his son. Image. Imagination. So your mind should be his mind. He predestined you to conform to the image of his son. So that his son would be the firstborn of many brothers. This is why we're here. Church 101, first reason why we come is to conform to the image. Second reason is to gain spiritual intelligence because of some of the decisions you're making is hurting you. Why? Because it's not aligning with the word. What happens when I make this decision in the spirit realm? We're not even at a place sometimes where we even think that way. What happens when I think this thought, Charles? What happens in the spirit realm? When my heart is not aligned with his kingdom. What, what is going on when I say this thing about this person or think this thought about this person? Do you know if you want somebody to fail, it automatically makes you fall? You know if you wish somebody to fall, it automatically comes on you? That's why he said rejoice when they rejoice. And mourn when they mourn. If they cry, cry with. What are we, what are we crying for? <laughs> ah! <laughs> mourn with them. Don't be happy that people hurt because you've been waiting to get a leg up. They're rejoicing in success and you're bitter because you don't want to see them succeed because you ain't succeeded in nothing. By default, you get what your heart is asking for. He, you get to do reward. So if I want you to have a bad marriage, it's automatically going to make my marriage bad. I keep myself pure. The Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. But to the wicked and defiled, it's always an issue. You have to learn how to, watch this, you have to have so much love in your heart, you have to start making excuses for people. They didn't speak to you? Oh, they must have been having a bad day. <laughs> they must didn't see me. They good I ain't working. They cross-eyed. Whatever you need to tell yourself. <laughs> to keep your heart pure. But you can never look at that situation and deem this is what it is. No, keep yourself pure. Because to the pure, all things are pure. When you have the love of God in your heart, you see people like he see people. You never know what's going on with people. You have no, even when you're going through what you're going through, you don't know what's going on with everybody else. You have no idea. So the best thing for you to do is keep your heart pure. Keep it pure. Y'all with me? Is it good? It's about to get there. So, and like I was saying, so this is a dethronement. All right, you have to dethrone Satan off of the seats of your soul and let Christ rule and reign here. The Father has one son, and that's Christ. And we're all supposed to conform to his image. There ain't another image. That's why y'all, if y'all know me, look, we all have to have the same heart. If, if I get offended... And I can't leave, I still got to preach. When you get offended, you can't leave either. What you talking about? <laughs> when Christ got offended, he didn't get to quit his mission. He didn't drop his mission when the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, Herod tried to kill him when he was two. Come on. He, surely he got to read. Peter betrayed him, but we was together for three years. I thought he was my boy. Not to mention, watch this. Jesus was walking with Judas for three years. Didn't kick him out the clique. He knew he was going to betray him. Was it a test for Jesus? <laughs> it was a test for Jesus. It was to see what his heart was. You don't do nothing to, that's why, I only, I, only, I only do what the Father tell me to do. When it was time, he kissed him. Whatever you're going to do, do it. Until then, watch this. You handle the money. 
He handling the church money, and he know. He, he's handling the church finance, and he know he's going to betray him. The next one, the heart. Let me get the heart slide. Now, the heart is the fountain of the soul. It's the sum of the soul. It's the unconscious you. The heart is the moral character revealed. It is the sum of the center and the seat of your spiritual life. So when I look at your mind and I look at your soul and I add all that together, I get your heart. That's what I get. I get your heart. So when he says to guard your heart, guard your mind. Make sure that it's full of the word. Fill your mind with the word until your heart overflows with it. Fill your mind with the word until your soul has no other option but to do the will. I'm teaching you how to get better by yourself. Intentionally. Correct yourself. I was watching a podcast. I know I forgot to say it earlier. I was watching a podcast, and the guy said that he became a better leader when he learned to fall in love, Serena, with being wrong. I'm so happy I'm wrong. Why? Because now I can be corrected, and I'm no longer wrong. You can want to be wrong and go on for years. It's being wrong. You got to fall in love with being corrected. It's going to be times where you are right. And the Bible says, why come you just can't take wrong? You're right, but your attitude towards being right made you wrong. <laughs> the scripture said, why come we just can't take wrong? What is he doing? He's measuring our heart. He's measuring our heart. Our heart is the soul or mind as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts. It is the, it's the fountain and the seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, endeavors of understanding, the faculty and seat of the intelligence of the will and character of the soul as far as it, it is affected and stirred in a bad way or a good way, revealing who is sitting on the seat. So when somebody offends you, your heart comes out. And sometimes the Father does that on purpose. He allows people to offend you. He allows people to get up under your skin. Why? Because he's measuring your heart because he got something to give you. That's why the Bible says God is. Come on, y'all. I thought I had a, this is a Presbyterian church. God is. God is. God is. So in order for you to be like God, <laughs> you have to be love. You know, he give us no, you know he gives us no permission not to love? He said love your enemies. He said love your neighbors. He said even love those that do you wrong. He said love your wife. He said love your spouse. He, he don't give us a reason not to love. Why? Because our heart Anytime our heart is turned in a, in a wrong way, we lose something. So he says, look, people are going to come at you with evil, but I want you to, to give them good. Oh, that's hard. That's difficult. <laughs> he said, they give you evil, you give them good. That's your test. I'm going to say it again because I, I, I like the way it felt in the atmosphere. They give you evil, and you give them what? Not an uppercut. Now, this is hard because they did you bad, but your mind won't shut off. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it be there for months. For months. Right there on what they did to you. And he like, I just want you to see yourself. I ain't got nothing to do with them. Vengeance is the Lord. I can repay them for that, but this ain't got nothing to do with them. This is all about you. Because I told you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Luke 6 and 45. Are we going to be here all month? 
Don't y'all try to skip out on me. No, this, no, don't miss. No, don't skip. No, no. <laughs> Have, be, come, come, come. We're going to be here all month long until our hearts are in a place where we can get our destiny. Because I want nothing more for y'all than to see y'all fly. I want to see y'all do what he predestined you to do, what he called you to do. Luke 6 and 45, it says, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. I got to bust this out because, look, it says a good person produces good from what is stored up in their heart. So, which means I'm, I'm doing the mathematics of your mind and your soul, and I got it, whether you evil or you good. Charles. <laughs> I know. Indeed, indeed. You look good. It's just funny. He said from his mouth speaks from the overflow. This is what and why he searches and examines us. Not to reveal us to people, but to reveal us to us. Child, this is what you need to work on. My son, this is what you need to work on. This is what you need to deal with. It ain't nobody else. <laughs> nobody can stop you. You stop yourself. Amen? Now, y'all ready for the transplant? All right, let's go. We're about to close. Ezekiel 11 and 16. It says, therefore, therefore say, this is what the Lord God says. Though I had removed them far away among the nations, and though I had scattered them among the countries, yet I was a sanctuary for them for a little while in the countries where they had gone. So he dispersed the children of Israel. But he said he was a sanctuary to them, which means he was a refuge to them. He still protected them, although they were not gathered in a place under him. All right. This has always been the father's agenda. Since Adam fell, if you read scripture, he has always been trying to find a, a people to take Adam's position in doing the work that he wanted to do on earth. He called Abraham to do sonship. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He calls Moses to deliver. When he called Moses, he said, go get the children of Israel. I want to make them a kingdom of priests. But he could never make them a kingdom of priests because they were not one with him. He was showing us that the only way you can do this is that my nature be in you, that Christ be in you. The only way you can do this is that you're my people, I'm your, I'm your father, and you're my children. This is the only way this works. That's why I made Adam in a certain way. When Adam fell, he messed everything up. That's why I tell people, even in counseling sessions, don't blame it on nobody but Adam. I'm going to do a message on that. Don't blame it on nobody but Adam. Don't blame it on nobody but Adam. It's Adam's fault. It ain't even Eve's fault. It's Adam's fault. Don't blame it on your brothers. Don't blame it on your sisters. Don't blame it on your mother, your father, your cousin. Blame it on Adam. He put us in this situation where we were born in sin and we were shaping in iniquity. It's nobody's fault but Adam. Say, blame it on Adam. Verse 17, he says, therefore say, this is what the Lord God says. He says, I will gather you from the people and assemble you from the countries among which you have been scattered, and I will give you land. Now, remember what I told you. In order for him to get us provision, he has to first give us a what? A vision. So he's telling them what, I'm, what he's going to do. I'm going to give you this land. But first he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to gather you from the people, and I'm going to assemble you from the countries in which you have been scattered. So while y'all have been scattered, I'm going to bring y'all all together under my name. And, and, and he said, I will what? Give you the land. Now, first thing he's trying to do is sanctify and, and get us to sanctify ourselves and consecrate ourselves to him. Sanctify ourselves because we belong to him. He wants to wash us from all of the filth of our past generation, of our past life. <laughs> 
the next thing he wants to do, he wants to consecrate us. He wants your mind to him. He wants your mind for himself. He is jealous. He is jealous when you give everybody his attention, his mind, but him. When he gave his son, he did everything he could do to get you in a position, he gets jealous. The Bible says he has a godly jealousy. I know what I poured into you. I know what I gave to you. I know what I instilled into you. I know what I, watch this, brought you out to get you here. So, yes, I get jealous <laughs> when you talk to everybody but me. When you give everybody your time, everybody, everybody is on your, on your uh, uh, schedule but me. How is that? And I, I have your destiny. How is it you don't have time to pray? That don't make sense if you're a child of God. It, that, it don't make sense to go a day without praying. Matter of fact, it don't make sense to not pray twice a day. You eat three times. It don't make sense if this is what we're trying to go and we're trying to get somewhere. So he says, first, I'm going to consecrate you. Then he says, I'm going to give you the land. Now, anytime he's trying to give land, he's giving you land because he, he's giving you a place to live, to grow, to function, to build, to create, to invent. This is supposed to be the place where we cultivate families, relationship, build livestock, make money. He's not just giving them the land. Once upon a time, America was just a land. Now look at it. He didn't give them the land for it to sit there and be dormant. He gave them the land because he wanted them to build a life under him. Y'all with me? Okay, here we go. Verse 18. He says, when they come there, he said, they will. You got to pay attention to this stuff when you're reading scriptures. Don't go too quick. They will. Remove all its detestable things and all abominations from it. So he says, look, I'm going to give you the land. And when I give you the land, you're going to remove all this. So watch this. You're going to remove all the detestable things. Now, you're going to remove the detestable things and the abominations. The detestable things are the dislikes. The things that are hostile towards his household. He said, you're going to remove that. I'm telling you this for a reason. The abominations are the things that disgust him, that he has hatred towards. And one of the things that he hates is sowing discord. The Bible says it's six things that he don't like, seven are abomination. We're going to talk about that too. <laughs> Verse 19, this is the meat of our message. This is what we, we, this is what we bring it home. Um, bring me that table, Kirby, Pastor Kirby. Uh, Chris, you could, um, no, uh, go over here and get this, uh, bucket. I have a bucket, two buckets over there. Bring them to me. We put the table right here. Actually, I'm going to pull this back some. Yeah, that's fine. Right there is fine. Right there on top of that table. Uh, you can leave it right there. If, if you want to move it, you can. I turned away from the low symbol. So don't think I'm advertising. No. Okay. Now. Actually. Hey, brother, you going to do a demonstration with me? <laughs> I kept seeing you when I did it. Amen. Ezekiel eleven nineteen. Now, it says, y'all read this with me. Read it. It's not up there. <laughs> what? Really? That's the main encore. 
All right, well, don't worry about it. We'll have it next week. Uh, I'm going to read it to you, though. It says, verse 19 says, and I will give them one heart. Actually, y'all get it on your phones. You got devices. Ezekiel 11 and 19. I don't know what version. Just grab one. You're, that's okay. Y'all roll. Just rock with me for a second. It says, and I will give them one heart, okay, and put a new spirit within them. And I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Now, the reason for the transplant is his vision for Israel, all right? The reason for the transplant is his vision for your destiny, amen? Okay, now, the scripture says, I will give them two hearts. You say that? It don't say that? I need y'all to correct me. Don't let me sit up here and be an error. I said, let's see what y'all were paying attention. Come on. He said, I will give them what? One heart. So we all get the transplant, but we all get the same heart. We all get the same heart. It's not two hearts. We all get the same heart when he's doing this transplant. He said, I'm going to give them one heart and put a new spirit within them, Christ. The new heart is because with Christ in you, you can't function with the old heart. Take off the old man and put on the new. Amen? Now, we get one heart. Everybody get the same heart. Different gifts. Different personalities. We don't have to have the same personality. We ain't got to dress the same. <laughs> okay? We just got to have the same heart, which means with every issue that we deal with, we should all see it like he see it. Every circumstance, we should see it like he see it. Y'all with me? Okay. Now, this is the transplant. He says, I will remove the heart of stone. Pick up the heart of stone. The brick. This brick represents the heart. Now, this water in this bucket, this bucket is dry. This bucket has water in it. This bucket represents agape love. It represents the word. Okay? It represents the spirit realm. It, it represents you hearing your father's voice. All right? He says, I will remove the heart of stone. Now, the reason why this is a stone, because it's petrified. Something is petrified when the elements of life have beat it up so much that it no longer naturally absorbs. Y'all with me? So, this heart can't absorb love. Okay? This heart can't absorb the word. It can't absorb the spirit. No matter how thick the presence is, this heart can't feel. Why? Because it's petrified. It's impenetrable. It's not permeable, meaning nothing can get into this thing. This is the heart he's taken out. It's a hardened heart, so it's stubborn. <laughs> it wants its way. It only knows one way. Y'all ready? Now, dip it. Pull it up. Nothing absorbed. Now, now this time you dip it, I want you to dip it and I want you to put with the, the remnants in that bucket. Now put it in that bucket. Now imagine we got to fill that with love. This is your relationships. When your heart is hard, this is you saying, I love you. It's water going in the bucket, but it ain't enough to build a relationship. It ain't enough to build a family. It ain't enough to trust anybody. Dip it again. Put it in there. It ain't enough. This love is conditional. This is conditional love. This ain't enough water to be confident. This ain't enough love to be confident 
in pursuing your destiny. Now, you get remnants of it. No, I'm dipping again. I don't trust. Dip it again. I don't engage. Why? Because my heart is stone. I blame other people, but it ain't other people. It's my heart. People trying to be nice to me, people trying to love me, but my heart can't take it in. It can't absorb it. So the Father says, I want to remove this heart. I want to do surgery. I want to do a transplant on you. I want to take the heart of stone out of you, and I want to give you a heart of flesh. So this is why we need a heart of flesh. Because this heart doesn't absorb. This heart can come to church every Sunday, and it won't grow. This, this heart can be on the prayer call. It can be on the reading call. It can fast. But until the transplant happens, there will be no change. And so everything that it does will result back to me. Dip it again. Father, give me a wife. <laughs> Dip it again. Give me a husband. <laughs> With what? I, I can't. If I give it to him, this, you're going to frustrate him. Because this all the love you can give them. So this is why the transplant is needed. Now you can put that one down, bro. <laughs> and so he wants to give them or give us one heart, but he wants to give us a heart of flesh. Pick up the sponge. Now, this sponge represents the new heart. Dip it. Leave it in there. Because that's what you got to do. Okay? Because that's what you got to do. The other heart, it don't matter how much you leave it in there. It ain't going to absorb. You need to leave it in him, in there. So now show some love. Come on, that's getting the glory out of you. That's getting the glory out of you. Come on, dip it again. This is the fruit of the spirit. People who don't like you, watch this. This is love, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness. Put it back in the bucket. Now, leave it there. This is how we reveal his glory. That's why I told you, he don't give us a reason to not love. He wants to do the transplant because he needs us to give people him and not us. He don't need you to give people your past. This is the heart from your past. This is everybody that hurt you. Everybody that lied on you. You can't, it's hard to let it go. And so he's trying to love you. People's trying to love you. But you, ref, you refuse it. And then what happened is you'll say, nobody love me. It ain't nobody love you. You can't absorb what's trying to be given to you. It's about revealing his glory. Y'all ready? We want, because we want to be like the Father, right? Okay. Love is patient. Squeeze it in. All right. L love is kind. Love does not envy. Come on. It's not boastful. Dip it again. If it again, it's not boastful. It's not rude. It's not arrogant. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. Watch this. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but only rejoices in truth. Oh, here it go. You ready? Let's go. Love bears all things. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. One more for the road. One more dip for the road. Let's go. Let's 
Love never fails. This is the purpose for the transplant. Because he's never going to give you a reason to not love. Appreciate you, brother. Actually, I got a, a big towel. Oh, my, big, big, I had a, yes, yeah, Dr. Hardy has it. The father is never going to give you a reason to not love. He's never going to give you a reason, watch this, to disobey his word. It's nothing someone can ever do to you, Q. That, could, that the Father will ever give you permission to disobey his word. You hear that, Amani? There's nothing. You hear that, my lad? Charles, you hear me, Manushka? Sandley, y'all hear me? There's nothing you can ever do or people can do to you which the Father will say, you know what? It's okay to disobey me now. This is how you show him your faith. Father, it don't matter what they do to me. It don't matter what they say to me. Why do you think Jesus' tagline was, I only do what my father tell me to do. I'm reacting, I'm responding, I'm thinking. Everything that I do, I'm doing it according to how my father would do it in his household. That's why the purpose of coming to church is important. The purpose of fellowship is important. We have to build a culture where this is second nature. We have to build a culture where this is second nature. Or may I say first nature. We have to build a culture. Verse 20 says, that he did all this so that they may walk in my statures and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people and I shall be their God. So the purpose of the transplant is so that Abba can be everything to you and you can be everything to him. Amen. Father will never give us permission. This transplant is necessary. He's never going to give us permission to disobey him, to do things outside of his will. Everything you do in word, okay. Everything you do in deed, he said do what? Do it in my name. Oh, I thought he was falling off the chair. <laughs> he scared me for a second. So the purpose of the transplant is so that the father can be a father. Amen. Let us pray. <laughs>